Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host Vince Peart. Once again, and for the first time in a while, we are joined by our co-host Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello everyone. Yeah, things have been really good, thank you. I've just got back from Egypt. It was amazing. It was my trip of a lifetime. Um, I had the best time. Uh, So it was a horse riding holiday. Um, I went into Cairo and then I spent a bit of time in Luxor and then we went up to Haggadah. got to ride loads of different horses that were really naughty and really fun and fast. Um, I met really amazing people as well. Um, So I was on a trip. There was eight of us in total. Um, I was with five Americans, one girl from the Netherlands and one girl from Italy. Um, And I was the only Brit. Like NATO, like a NATO peacekeeping mission. It was, yeah. Horsekeeping mission. Horsekeeping. Um, But it was just a really magical trip. Um, It was very full on. I came back and need another holiday (laughs) to recover from my holiday. Um, But yeah, it was amazing. Thank you. How have you been? Good, good. I um, I don't know anything exciting as that. No, uh, you can't top that, I'm afraid. I went to Blackpool. Uh, Yeah, Egypt, Blackpool. (laughs) Sorry, Blackpool. Blackpool. <laughs> no uh, offence. Uh, I enjoyed it. My daughter was in a, a dance competition. She'd yeah. made the semi-finals. So there was a regional finals, which was in Leeds, and she did a quarter-finals, and she made it the semi-finals. So, um, yeah. Me and my girlfriend, who's a social worker, we ended up going down there. And, uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a good time. Took the kids out, you know, watched the dance show, went to the arcades. It was quite fun. Apart from that, the, uh, the main thing I've been doing is I've... Uh, I've returned to an old vice, Tilly. I've returned. I've, I've got. To, I've got to admit, I've, I've relapsed. I'm. Uh, yeah. I've relapsed. I am back playing the world of Warcraft again. I've already had to hear quite a lot about World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on the, then. I'll, I'll indulge you for you get sixty seconds 60 to talk seconds. about the world so, of Warcraft. I, I was when World of Warcraft first came out in 2004, 2005, 20 years ago. I was addicted to it, like literally. I wasn't working at the time. I was taking a gap from uh, university through to uh, uh, working. Uh, I was taking an enforced break from education. Would probably be this, <laughs> the safest way that I can say that. I was on. I was on an enforced break from education. Make of that what you will. And uh, I got into World of Warcraft and I treated like work. I would, you know, log on and I'd spend about 14 hours a day, I'm not even joking, 14 hours a day in the World of Warcraft. And it got bad. I did that for about a year and I just had to stop. I had to oh. stop myself and I've dabbled. But back in it, there's, there's, there's a game out called World of Warcraft Classic. So basically, because they've got lots of expansions, it's very different now, but it's essentially like the repackaged old game. And I, and I thought, you know what? I read this thing. I've been doing this challenge, this stoic challenge. And it said, rediscover something you liked when you were younger. And I thought, what did I like more than anything that I can legally do now? I thought, yeah, World of Warcraft. So that's it. Yeah. I'm back in. I'm, I've got a, I've rolled, I'm a, a rolling is what you call getting the characters. I've rolled this character. So the character that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dwarf hunter called Vincente. And I'm knocking about and I'm like shooting dragons and parlaying with elves and finding treasure. And yeah, I'm very much into that these days. So I've relapsed. I'm I'm back. I'm back on the Warcraft. Oh dear. Well, I hope it doesn't affect you as a social worker or a um, podcaster or writer. I hope you're able to. If anything, I am bringing social work skills to the world of Warcraft. Oh God. 
I'm bringing those skills forward. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm negotiating. I'm showing congruence. I'm using person-centered practice to negotiate disputes. You're shooting people, though. No, but like, not people. Oh. Just bad guys. I'm just bad folk. Oh, because bad people aren't allowed no, like, to be people. No, like oh. de- they're like demons. They're <laughs> like bad people. They're like demons. And, you know, from, from like the outlands, just like, you know, monsters that are attacking the local villages. And I'm coming along and I'll sort them out for you if you give me 60 pieces of silver. I'll kill those drugs okay right sounds amazing not okay i enjoy it <laughs> good for you cheaper than cheaper than horse holidays to egypt cost me nine, it cost me 9.99 a month yeah let's not talk about <laughs> how much i <laughs> ah, yeah. spent yeah. in my holiday <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on right um a change of tone quite dramatically uh, now, listeners and uh, watchers will be on YouTube in this show recording this in person. Um, it's been a very, very difficult week for all associated with social work, and no more so than those who were directly involved with this case. And of course, even those who were directly involved in this case, their grief and their circumstances pale into insignificance compared to the family of this child. So, anybody who's been following the media, and this has you know, been headline news and leading news stories across the UK, and it's made it further afield as well, will be aware of the tragic case of Bronson Battersby. Bronson is a two-year-old child who um, passed away in his father's care. With the case of Bronson, it has made national headlines due to circumstances regarding Bronson's death. Um... The exact situation is that we're aware of what happened with Bronson is on the 27th of December last year, 2023, Bronson's social worker spoke with his father and arranged a home visit for the 2nd of January. We don't really know the circumstances that Bronson ended up in his father's care. Um, there has been a suggestion that there was a falling out between Bronson's father, Kenneth, and Bronson's mother. And there was also a suggestion in some of the media outlets and some of the reporting that Bronson's father, Kenneth, was sort of looking forward to trying again and being a dad again, which implies that Bronson maybe hadn't been in his care for a long time. But we don't know the exact circumstances. It's just what's come out in the media and reported. And obviously, we can't speculate on that. We can simply report what's been covered in the media and what we believe is best to be true from our knowledge. But we do know that Bronson was living with his father, Kenneth, just the two of them in that family home. And on the 27th of December, Bronson's social worker spoke with Kenneth and arranged a home visit for the 2nd of January. On the 2nd of January, the social worker visited as arranged. There was no answer. They contacted the police and asked if the police could do a welfare check. On the 4th of January, the social worker visited again. There was still no response, so they contacted the police. Following the weekend, on Tuesday the 9th of January, the social worker made a third attempt to visit the property. Without police support at that time. Now, we don't know whether the police were contacted at that time beforehand, but it seems to suggest that they were not. The social worker instead made an effort to visit via the landlord, who let the social worker into the property. And at that point, the social worker and the landlord discovered Bronson with his father, Kenneth. Both had passed away. The belief is that Kenneth had passed away from a heart attack sometime between the 27th of December to the 2nd of January over that six-day period, and Bronson had died of starvation and dehydration next to his father's body. Absolutely heartbreaking story, mm-hmm. Sean. Like many of us, Tilly, you shed a tear at the time of reading that, and certainly it's 
difficult for me to, you know, simply recount that there. Um, there's been a lot of media attention in this story, like I opened with there, a lot of yeah. uh, media attention. Initially, potentially looking to find blame, as we mm-hmm. do happen in these situations. Uh, we've covered a lot of these stories on mysocialworknews.com. We've obviously discussed the main story. We've had the reaction to it, a lot of support, a lot of attention from the social workers around the world who've seen these stories. Obviously, those of us who are a bit closer, potentially like myself, who work in child protection in the UK, perhaps feel more kinship with the social work because these are situations we can find ourselves in. But I imagine the social workers all over the world, regardless of where they practice and what field they're in, would find affinity with this because we could all find ourselves in this situation. So we covered that. We've had some responses. Um, I was grateful to be asked by Sky News to go on there and discuss the story, which, uh, you know, it's always difficult because I don't like doing it in these circumstances, but equally I'm grateful of the opportunity. So it's yeah, like yeah. a difficult one um, when I have to do those things. But I suppose someone has to, and hopefully I can do our profession justice when I do. But even so, you'd expect, wouldn't you, the, the police to uh, take more of an interest uh, and much sooner. I mean, to have two people lying dead for two weeks is sort of unfathomable. Well, ultimately, I think what you, I, and people looking at this story right now would have to suggest and have to question is, at what point do we knock a door down? At what mm. point do the police use their powers? And the, the end of that power is breaking in to a private residence. Now, we have lots of human rights under the European Convention of Human Rights. We have a right to a private life and a family life. So I think what we would have to question here is how many knocks on a door must go and answer and how many phone calls must go unanswered before we take a serious step of saying we are going to break into that property? Would the public stand their door being broken down and police and social workers gaining access to their property after one failed visit, two failed visits, three failed visits? How many people would stand that for the sake of saving a child in this extreme, extremely unlikely and awfully tragic situation? And then we've had a couple of responses. Uh, one from Bronson's sister who came out and said, social workers aren't to blame for Bronson's death. What could be done? And then one of our columnists, Minnie Glass, came out and essentially said, well, actually, the media needs to take a lesson from this. So, Tilly, I've spoke a lot there. Um, what's your response to that story itself? How did you feel reading about I'm, this? I mean, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? Just to think of, of Bronson... It's just a horrendous way to die, and it sounds like it's a a, a tragedy um, that the, the father died, and then Bronson didn't have anyone to care for him at the time, so wasn't able to meet his most basic needs, um, which is just it's painful to listen to and watch mm. and, and read about in the media. Um, but it has made me draw quite a lot of parallels with with adult services because um, we've we have these sorts of situations happen every day mm-hmm. in adults where someone um, either has a fall or becomes unwell and then isn't able to meet their basic needs and then they, they die um, at home on their own. Um, some of those will be known to services. Some of those will have interventions. Some of them won't. Um, but it's it's always a tragedy. I mean, Bronson wasn't killed by anyone or it's just... It's just really, really sad. Let's go over this timeline of events then, okay? Because the suggestion when this initially came out, so if we if we consider if we consider the attention that was given this story, the headlines that first came out, 
sadly wouldn't surprise any of us in social work because we see this every time. Mm. We're looking to apportion blame. Of course. So if we'll have a look at four of the headlines that came out. One was tragic toddler. Horror as gorgeous Bronson Battersby 2 in pyjamas left to die alone next to his dead dad. Why did no one save him? How many more faces of kids failed by authorities from Bronson Battersby to Poppy Worthing till his boy too left alone to die by dead dad? Tragic toddler Bronson Battersby left to starve to death next to father's body. Boy too starved to death next to dead dad after social services failure. So you look at the narrative of those initial stories. Now, it has shifted somewhat. The media mm-hmm. narrative shifted somewhat, although sadly it appears to be looking to apportion blame on the police rather than social services. So throughout those stories and hundreds more like them, there's a narrative of failure and the suggestion Bronson was left. That's the narrative. Yeah. He was left. He was left to starve. He was left to die. Social services failed him. But let's just have a look at this breakdown here. And I just, you know, put yourself in this social worker's shoes, okay? And let's just see... Again, not to disrespect anyone, listeners and, and viewers, but we're just breaking down essentially what more could potentially have been done. And we can't, we can't comment on the facts of this. We can only comment on what we know. So let's yeah. have a look at what we know and just see if we could find any gaps here. So what we know is on the 27th of December, Bronson social worker speaks with Kenneth and arranges a home visit to the 2nd of January. That's the 27th of December. Tell you how many social workers are working that gap between Christmas and New Year. Be honest, how many? <laughs> the skeleton staff. 30%? Uh, most organisations want 50% in, there but they're, they're not. not it's, it's normally sort of 30%. I would and say. of those that are in, how many are actually making the effort to ring clients on that day and pre-arrange visits for six days' time than the first working day? That's, that's good practice, is it I, not? Is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we try and leave people alone between Christmas and New Year as much as we possibly can and just respond to, to emergencies and, and duty crises. So you're this social worker's manager. Mm-hmm. Are you happy with her practice on the 27th of December? Yeah, very she, standard. She's pre, yeah. she pre-arranged a visit... She's spoken to the father. Are you going to be in there? I imagine that was the call. Yes. Okay, we'll see you on the second. Pre-arranged visit for a set date between Christmas and New Year. Visit in the first day back. Any gaps there? No. Far from any gaps? Is that good practice? Yeah. I would agree. So, first day back on the 2nd of January. So, this is a social worker who worked the 27th of December, so worked between Christmas and New Year, and is also back on the 2nd of January. Mm -hmm. What would that tell you about the social worker's work ethic? Yep, very, very pretty good. good. Yeah. yeah, pretty good. No time <laughs> yeah. off between Christmas and New Year, it doesn't look like. Well, she's certainly working, or he or she certainly work on the 27th. They're back in the office the first day. Well, not only they're back in the office the first day back, they're undertaking a pre-arranged visit. Happy with that practice? Yep, no right. faults there. There's no answer at the door. This social worker contacts the police. I mean... That's above and beyond. <laughs> How many visits agree. have you been on, Vince, where you've knocked on the door and there's no answer and you just thought, oh, right, okay, I'll, I'll try again another time? Of course you did. Uh, every, every, every visit, <laughs> every visit, every visit. Look, I, I cannot recall, I've been a social worker 11 years now, I cannot recall a single occasion in my practice where one unanswered knock resulted in me calling the police. I can't, I can't. There's sometimes I've had to ask a police welfare check where there's been multiple knocks, sometimes mm-hmm. in the same day, but for one knock on the door being unanswered, I can't remember ever having ever having contacted the police immediately. And I'm not saying I would never do that because there may be certain situations, mm-hmm. but I'm an experienced social worker. I've done the job a long time. Um, my practice has never been questioned. I've never done that. No. Have you ever done that? 
I'm trying to recall. Um, certainly not in adults. Um, possibly in children's, but then I was in a referral and assessment team when which I worked. Which is a bit in, different. Which, which we needed urgent eyes yeah, on yeah, a child. Yeah. So that if was, you've had a referral in, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but nothing. No, if it was a planned standard visit. If it had been a pre-arranged visit that you booked on the 27th of December, you knew you were going to be out on the 2nd, you'd spoke to the dad on the 27th. Mm-hmm. What, so, above and beyond. Above and beyond. I would agree with you. Not only, not only, does this social worker contact the police. Now, we can't say what the contact the police for. My guess, and it is really just to guess this, listeners, is that it would be for a welfare check. Just That's just speaking for my own yeah. practice. Because for my own practice, the reason you would contact the police is usually for a welfare check. Mm-hmm. Was that fair for me to say? Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't sound like they're doing system checks. It's not a... No, they know the, they know the family. They, they know them, they know exactly. The family, they work yeah. with them. Not only does this social worker contact the police, but this social worker also checks other houses for where this family might be. Again, is that usual? For one, would one failed visit usually warrant checking other houses, or is that again good practice? Yeah, not for a planned. Good practice, isn't it? Good practice. So, the social worker doesn't visit on the third of January, but they do visit again on the fourth. On the fourth, there is no response, so they contact the police again. What would you say to that? Good practice. Good practice. What more could they do? What more no. could that social worker do? Do they have any other powers at that point to enter that property? No. There we go. Now, there is a bit of a gap here. So if we have a look, the next effort that we're aware of, there may be more, but this is just been what's been reported in the media. On the 9th of January, this is when the social worker makes efforts again to enter the property without police support. They arrange entry with the landlord, and that's when the social worker and the landlord do discover... Kenneth and Bronson. Mm-hmm. The police do attend, but only after the father and son's bodies are found. Now, on that occasion, a social worker making direct effort to locate the landlord, which must be hard. I mean, if I, if I had to track down your landlord, or you had to track down mine, it's not going to be an easy thing, is no, it? No, really not. Yeah. No. No. I mean, if you work for the council, you may have the benefit of going through the council's housing department, maybe the approved landlord tenancy scheme. But again, to get a landlord or to get someone with a key who is going to make the effort and come out to that on that day, yeah. that's... Unless unless it's some sort of um, social housing provider, which might be yes. easier. But but yeah, if it's a private landlord, that would be... How do you even begin? I, I, <laughs> impossible. It's a hard job. It is a really hard job. So yeah. either way, you probably haven't to go for the council's housing department because they may yeah. have a list of approved tenants and so on. Yeah, but and if, if there's housing benefits claims, again, we don't know about yes. any of this, but then they might, they, they would know. But it's not ordinary practice again. It's not no. ordinary practice. No. So... If we have a look at that timeline, and I broke this down in my column on mysocialworknews.com, what I said is that the very worst accusation, I believe, we can lay at the feet of the social workers, they didn't visit on the 3rd, 5th, or 8th of January. We can say that, but you know, there were, there were three days they could have visited. Also, you, it could be said that the local authorities' duty team didn't go out on the weekend, but I've worked for a lot of local authorities Emergency duty teams, weekend teams will almost always tell me, because I've put, I put in many referrals for weekend working. <laughs> how many referrals for a weekend visit do you think I've put into a duty team? And how many referrals do you think I've had knocked back for weekend checks? I mean, I'm sure it's countless and you've never had it. I've never had an acceptance. I try, I try. But every single time I get the response of one or two things that either 
duty teams don't do planned work. They refer to it as planned work. Mm -hmm. Or duty teams don't do welfare checks. I understand why, because it's resources. Duty teams are there to respond to immediate referrals that are coming in a child needs place on an emergency basis. When I've had to do those things, usually I've just done the visit myself at a weekend. But I can't say why the social worker didn't do that because they may have been caring for a relative, they may have been caring for a family member, or they may not have had any idea whatsoever that Kenneth and Bronson were in that family home dead as they were no, at the time. No, So we could say that. We could say, look, a welfare check could have been done. We could say a visit on the 3rd, 5th or 8th of January could have been done. But, and this is the key thing for me, Tilly, those answers, those knocks on those doors would not have got an answer because there was no answer on the second. There was no answer on the second. Which, no. you know, you know, you don't know what have happened. We, we don't know. We know that Kenneth had died by then. We don't know about Bronson for certain yet. Those knocks would have been unanswered if we assume mm. that the second was the case then. So what you're looking at then is, well, how many unanswered knocks do you go before you can encourage the police to break down the door? Now, we assume that perhaps that was already a request that was made on the 2nd of January. So in my opinion, you know, how many times do you have an unanswered door before it's kicked in? One, two, three, four, five. So for me, the very worst thing you can say about social worker is they didn't knock again. And they didn't call the police again. But they'd already knocked and called the police twice. Yeah. How many more times do you expect them Ex- to do it? That's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly it. How many more times? How many times does, again, just assume that the police were asked to do welfare checks and that mm-hmm. is an assumption we don't know for certain yet. But if that is the case, how many phone calls and how many efforts is a social worker meant to make to satisfy the police's threshold for intervention? Because let's get this right, Tilly, we can't break into a family home, can we? No. Absolutely not. And we shouldn't be able to. No, rightly not. Rightly not. We've got a right to a a, a family life under the European Convention of Human Rights, and we'll talk about this later. So, based on what we know, how do you believe Bronson's social worker to have acted in this situation? Do you see fault on what we know? Definitely no fault at all. I I cannot see a gap. Um, They did everything that they could. I believe the same. That's what, that's what I've told everyone. I just wrote mm. about my column and um, I actually, I was grateful for the opportunity to go on Sky News and I said this, I used the word above and beyond, based on what I know. And yeah. it can only be based on what I know. Yeah. Based on my report and you have a social worker who was working between Christmas and New Year to pre-arrange a visit. You have mm-hmm. a social worker, the first day back at work on the 2nd of January, attempted yeah. a visit, calls the police and tries to visit other properties. Yes, there's a gap then, but how how is this how is this social worker know anything was going on? But I imagine, Tilly, this wasn't the only case the social worker had. Oh. <laughs> I imagine I imagine there was other I think we can say with some certainty. I imagine there's other things that were to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. Go back on uh, 48 hours later, try calling the police again. Yes, there's one day gap, and then there's the weekend work, and then there's the Monday, but the landlord might not have been available to the Tuesday. They may have tried to get the landlord on the Friday on the Monday. Yeah. It could have taken several days to get housing to respond exactly. to find out about the landlord. There is, there's so many other things. The exactly. social worker could have been in court, could have had other child protection crises going on. So many other things. So she's, again, we're saying she, it might not be a she. I'm, I'm giving 90% of the workforce <laughs> our females. I do, I do tend to regrettably fall into this habit. And it is a bad habit of mine. I shouldn't do that. So apologies, listeners. Realistically then... What more could have been done? And it's horrible to do this because we have to do this because we know lessons must be learned. What more could have been done here? I don't think there is anything that could have been done. And the the sad reality 
is that, that this could happen to any parent and, and child. Um, any child that's below the age of being able to pick up a phone and call 999 to say that their parent is, is having a heart attack or is mm-hmm. unresponsive. If you've got, if you're on your own and there's no other adult going into that property, if you're a single parent or a single carer, yeah. then that could happen to anyone. And, and probably what, around the age of what five or six, would you think that, that a child would be able to start maybe calling the alarm perhaps? So any children under five that's living with a single parent, this, this could happen. It, it's a tragedy, um, but it's not out of the ordinary. And this is where, look, I'm very, very mindful of how I broach this because I, I certainly, my, my, my intention is not to apportion blame on friends and family. But is it not right to ask, well, where were friends and family? Because I would like to think, maybe wrongly, maybe wrongly, I've got a son who's four. I've got a daughter who's almost eight, so obviously she's having she age. She would be eight. I mean, she FaceTimes me all the time. Yeah, yeah. She she's would call the hell Yeah, yeah, she's FaceTime <laughs> me all the time, so she would FaceTime her mum or, or someone else. But um, I would like to think that if nobody had heard from me, because bearing in mind, it, the last time anyone heard from Kenneth, but we know of, was I think about the 28th of December, he'd messaged a neighbour, and Kenneth and Bronson's bodies were found on the 9th of January. That's, mm. you know, 12 days later. Yeah. I would like to think, pray, that if I, there was 12 days when nobody had seen me or heard from me, that a friend or a family member would be checking in. Yeah. So we do we not have a, a difficult question to ask? And again, portion of no blame, but is it fair for us to question, well, why could why did friends and family not pick up on this? I don't. Can you see how you can ask that question without a portion of blame? Of course, of course. And you don't know Kenneth's circumstances. No, at all. We, we, we know don't. Nothing. We don't. So, I, yeah. In 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 many other circumstances, if this if this had happened to you or well, me or, or any of us, you would you would say, where where were the friends and family? Yes. Yes, I that's, think that's it. Reasonable. Where, where were the friends and family? Why wasn't mm-hmm. that noticed or identified? Why did it take the social worker to make this effort? Now it did. It did take the social worker, and the social worker did make this effort. But this is why I, I have to just me. I have to label this as just a tragic accident because mm. you've got an awful series of events here. You've got a child who was too young to raise the alarm himself. Yeah. You've got a father who died of what appears to have been a sudden heart attack. You've got friends and family, a father who lived alone. Mm-hmm. You've got friends and family for whatever reason. We don't know the reason. You've got friends and family for whatever reason, had no contact with this man for 12 days and yeah. didn't think to make an effort or visit themselves or get... Nobody Nobody ra- was raising the alarm. From what I'm aware, nobody was ringing the 999 for the police. Nobody contacted the police apart from the social worker. So... We're not a portion of blame on friends and family members, but we have to say it's very, very unfortunate that there were no friends and family members who raised the alarm because that may have filled the gap that social services were potentially being blamed for here. Yeah, and I think when it's your friends and families, you can do other things that you don't have to... Like, I mean, you've got 
often have keys exactly, to access exactly. loved ones' properties. And you know and, them better. You know and, the, you know the and do you know what? If it was like, if it was my parents or something, I'd break in if I didn't have a key yeah. and, and deal with the and consequences. And you can do that. And you can. And do you that. can. Because they're not going to blame you for, no. for and the worst thing a window you have to, or something. Well, the worst thing you have to do is you'd have to say to the landlord, look, I was very concerned I'd have to replace it. Yeah. But if a social worker breaks in a window, Whoa. you lose your job. You would exactly. lose your job. Exactly. It's a criminal offence. If, if I broke into a family's home and they were just saying, yeah, well, I was just wanting not want to speak to you what would happen then what what would be the narrative for social workers then social worker force entry yeah and a man who just wanted a bit of time to himself over christmas with his son who'd recently come back to his care potentially exactly and that's the balance that you have as a social mm. worker um that being said if we can see it that way and again we're not looking at portion blame look I've seen many comments online that have labelled the family to blame for this. Now, I find those incredibly distasteful. I don't mm. support them at all. But there is, a, there is a drive to apportion blame by many people. Of course. I on mean, social it, workers, on the family, on someone. That's human nature, isn't it? We love a witch hunt. Why has there been a drive to apportion blame here on what you and I see as a tragic accident? Because we don't like to deal with the, <clears throat> that sad reality that tragedies happen. And we do like a witch hunt. People get very stirred up emotionally by this. People like getting on their keyboards and and causing as much drama as they can. It's a really sad aspect of humanity. But sometimes tragedies happen and it's sad and we just have to live with that. We live in an imperfect world. Do we do that as a witch hunt or do we do it because it offers us a safety blanket that we might not end up this way ourselves? Oh, both, I think. Yeah. Because if we can convince ourselves that there was somebody to blame here, mm-hmm. then does it not potentially help satisfy us from the fear that we could end up like this too? I think that's a really reasonable point. I wonder if there is now a shifting of blame from children's services to police. I've seen that too. Because mm. initially it was social services to blame, but then... People who were interviewed about it, like me, pointed back very logical answers. Well, what more could be done? I mean, Matt and I, the view that I made, well, very simple one. How many knocks on a door have to go unanswered before you break in? Because that's what would have potentially saved the family here. Yeah. What the, well, potentially the only thing, the only thing, if friends and family weren't going to intervene, which they don't appear to have, or attempted from what we know, what could have potentially saved Bronson, not Kenneth, but Bronson, potentially was one unanswered because the, the first opportunity the social worker had to check on that was the 2nd of January. Mm-hmm. So that was the earliest opportunity. We don't know Bronton's state by then, but we can hope and pray that that might have been the window of opportunity. So then you're saying, are we going to break into a family home on one, un- one unanswered visit? Because that's all that was. At that point, there was yeah. one unanswered visit. Now, Tilly, how many times do social workers have a single unannounced visit akin to that? How many times has that happened in a, a week? Hundreds? Thousands? Uh, yeah. Tens of thousands? <laughs> tens but of thousands, potentially. It, it's not going to happen. So it we're breaking can't. down a door on one and out. And, that, and that, that's, what could have, that's what could have saved Bronson. Mm-hmm. Will the public stand that? No. No. Could we legislate for that? No. And Definitely this was, not. And this is the argument that I was mm. making. This is the argument many others like me have made. And I think when that dawned upon people, when the reality of, well, this is what happened. Now, stories like this are difficult because who broke the story? Bronson's mum. Mm. Bronson's mum broke this story. Bronson's mum did an interview with the son. 
And it is very, very difficult to have a counter-argument against a grieving mother. Of course it is. And how, who, who, could, who, who, who would have the heart to sit across from a mother like that and say, and fire back logic to her tears? You couldn't do that. No. You couldn't say, well, no. you know, where were you? You couldn't do that. Or you couldn't say to her, well, do you, do you expect us to break down the door? You, you couldn't do that. So initially when this story broke out, of course, nobody can question a mother's, a grieving mother's lived experience. No. She's right to apportion blame and look out, because that's what people, grieving people do. Of we course. can't blame her for this. No. But as it entered the media and as it was conversations between professionals like myself and reporters, the narrative could shift. And then you could get onto more logical and theory-based arguments, which weren't necessarily about Bronson himself, but about the wider perspective. Well, okay, in comparable situations, what should we do? Mm-hmm. And on that occasion, I think I noticed a discernible shift away from apportioned blame on social services. But it wasn't one towards logic and what we can do. Instead, that shifted elsewhere. Yeah. And it shifted towards the police. And the police have now referred themselves to the Independent Police Complaints Commission on the basis of... There were two requests, two calls made to the police. We don't know what those were. I'm sure they've been recorded. I'm sure that'll be found out and we'll discover those. But yeah, do you think there is now... Okay, social workers have been let off here in inverted commas. Do you think instead people are gunning for the police? I think they are, which, again, I don't agree with because what more could the police do? We don't... I mean, I'm hoping, and we don't know this yet, mm. that the police went around and knocked on the door as well. That that is, those facts haven't been yeah, well, established. Yeah, that should come out. Yeah, um, but at what point do they break down the exactly. door? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> at what point? Yeah, if they knock on the door, no answer. Okay, right. Are they going to go and get their battering ram then? No. For for one knock on the door, someone could be out, pop to the shops, because someone could just be not wanting to answer the door. And let's get this straight here as well. We don't want to criticise our fellow professionals, but how many times do you think social workers catastrophise and are told by manager to ring the police and ring up the police in a panic and actually do blow things out of proportion and the police mm-hmm. have to push back? How many times does that happen all over the social work? Yeah, of you know, course. There's a lot of time in social work we can be incredibly heightened by the situation we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can, that's human nature. You're reactive, your adrenaline goes, you need a solution to a problem. And when we escalate that to police, doctors, paediatricians, managers, whoever we do, if you're in those positions, almost like a gatekeeper to the escalation of services, how many times have you done this as a manager? You know what it's like. You have to be a sounding board and you have to, yeah. you have to establish objective facts at that point. So you've got the subjective, we need, a, we need a referral, we need a police call out. The police may very well have said, well, okay, when was the last time you made contact with him? 27th of December. Okay, that's six days ago, right? Five days ago. Is there any risk to this child there? No. Okay, we'll check our police database. Maybe check the police database. There's no risk. There's no risk factors. When you're looking at proportionate distribution of police resources Mm -hmm. for one failed visit, you can potentially see, even if the police were requested, why they didn't go out and do a welfare check. Yep. Okay, we'll try again, see what happens next time. They may have said to the social workers. Again, we don't know the exact circumstances, but based on what we do know, you can imagine those scenarios like that where, can you really even blame the police for that? Or again, is it an unfortunate accident? We don't know. No. No, and the police, just like social services, are woefully under-resourced yes. and understaffed. They have to deal with 
the most urgent and pressing situations in front of them. And on the surface of what we know already, Bronson's case at that time wasn't pressing. It was a one missed visit. Exactly. And let's get into this then, because obviously you're a big proponent of the European Convention of Human Rights. I am indeed. (laughs) I'm going to just ask you this one and then listen to your views. How do we balance our safeguarding duties with people's right to a private and family life? Oh, it sounds like... I mean, this sounds like, like an a, essay Yeah, question. it is like an essay. It's like an assignment. Brilliant. You've got 4,000 words. Shoot, I'll grade oh, you. I'm wow. sure you'll get a first, like if you're 80%. Let's go. Let's see I mean, it's a very say. difficult topic to condense. You've got um, 90 seconds. Oh. <laughs> Shoot. I don't, I don't know if I can do this. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, the human rights that we have... Mm-hmm. Um, and originally from the United Nations Declaration of, of Human Rights, they moved into the European Convention of Human Rights. We brought that into domestic law by the Human Rights Act. Um, these are our fundamental rights that we all should live by, and and the right to private and family life is one of them. We do not want the state arbitrarily intervening in someone's private life. There has to be good grounds and reasonable grounds there has to be justified action that you have to follow the law you have to follow policies we don't want to become a state which is so um, oppressive and arbitrary and who would want that Mm. we we don't we see these sorts of dictatorships across the world in other countries where a state intervenes in people's matters which Mm. is far beyond the, the cry of what they should be doing. We need that balance. We need freedoms. We're, we're, we're all adults and we don't want that level of intrusion. So, But the irony is, in those states, you wouldn't get your door broken down because there were concerns about your child. You would get your con- door broken down because there were probably concerns you were a political dissident. Exactly. Which is the yes. irony of that situation, yes. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that it takes a very liberal and kind of left-leaning state to believe that we should have authoritarian powers to intervene to save children. That's not a right-wing ideology, really, because a right-wing ideology would more be, well, you can be left alone to care for your child as you see fit. So it's a strange balance between the authoritarian Mm. but the authoritarian left-leaning idea. Yeah. It's a weird one, that, isn't it? It is. And I firmly sit on a a liberal um, footing here. I think the state should only intervene when there is due cause to do so and certainly in the facts that we know about Bronson's case there was not due cause to intervene or take enforcement measures as agents of the state. Let's move from that kind of political macro look (laughs) at it then to a kind of micro level. What can we do better to safeguard people who are in situations like this essentially single parents living alone with what appears to again we can maybe assume with limited family support or certainly limited family support for that period, mm. which it meant that there was no one from the family visiting, checking in or calling at that property. We can't say it was limited family period all the time, limited family support all the time, but I think we can fairly say it's limited family support in that period. Otherwise, you know, why was why was this yeah. father and son left alone for so long without family intervention or mm-hmm. checking in, or family in, 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 in escalating and intervening? So how can, we balance, how can we safeguard people who are single parents or, or people living alone in that situation? What could we do? What, what's the state expected to do? I, they shouldn't be expected to do anything. Um, I think all of that sort of low-level 
early intervention stuff should be entirely voluntary. Yeah. We only enforce things when there are so significant risks and concerns about a person or a child that we have to intervene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's just a tragedy if, if you, you live alone or, or you're living with a, a, a young child or, or a person who cannot respond in an emergency, then that is a risk that we all live with. And I don't think it is the state's responsibility to do anything about that. I live on my own. I wouldn't want police knocking at my door. I mean, I'm quite happy if friends or family did, if they were worried about me, but I wouldn't want agents of the state to be involved. Mm. That's It's my flat, my space. Um, my right to choose who I see and who I don't see or who I open the door to, who I don't. Um, that, that, that shouldn't be anything to do with police or social services or, or any other state input. So if it, if it isn't a safeguarding issue, is it a societal issue then? Is this indicative of a fractured society where we can have, you know, we have increasing numbers of people living alone. Mm-hmm. We have increasing numbers of people who are single parents who potentially feel socially isolated. You know, the bonds that perhaps could be in place if someone was in full-time employment, if someone was in full-time education, if someone was a regular attender at a place of worship or a scheme or a programme, if someone lived with family members. um, Is this indicative of a societal issue that we perhaps live in a more fractured society where people perhaps do have links with others, but those are perhaps online links rather than Mm in-person links and we see more fractured communities and societies? Is this something you could see a societal issue? Yeah, I I mean, it is a societal issue. Um, Objectively, we do live more isolated lives than people and our ancestors and and people in other parts of the world. Um, Do I think that we need to do something about that? I think it should be entirely voluntary. If you want to be able to access support and increase your social um, connections with others and feel less isolated or lonely, there needs to be things that you can tap into, but that should be on your terms and your Mm. choice. There shouldn't be anything that forces you to do that. And again, that comes back to our right to a private and family life, which I am pretty sure that all decisions made whether to force entry to a home would be based upon that, mm-hmm. as well as the safeguarding risk. And from what we know here, there does not appear to have been a threshold for either, based on what we know. But the social worker tried, and that's the thing here. The social worker tried. Yes. Um, let's end on this one. I'm mindful that we spent this episode talking about children's services, evidently so, because, you know, mm-hmm. Kenneth and Bronson were known to children's services, hence the seeking to apportion blame when the story initially broke. Mm-hmm. How many times does this happen with adults, Tilly? How many times are adults left alone in their homes and die and are found many, many days, or let's get this right, Week, sometimes months. weeks and sometimes months later? Months. Yes. How many times, I mean, look, How many times have you experienced this in your own career, let alone Mm. the wider sphere? Hundreds. And that's in your own career. And that's my own people that I know. Yeah. And and across the country, across the world, thousands, probably millions, it goes into. There'll be thousands and thousands a week, surely. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I've I've got some horrendous stories of where we've not been able to get hold of people and then we've realised that that someone's had a fall or, or, or has become unwell. They've died but not been able to summon help. Um, yeah, it happens all the time. We've had, oh, there was a, 
particular situation I remember it was quite a few years ago now where we went in I went in with the police and the, the, the gentleman had fallen against a radiator and his, his body was covered in maggots it was just horrific horrific and yeah it, it happens all the time was there anything more that we could have done no he didn't want services he had the ability to make that decision we would we went in in the end because there were flies at the window and we were concerned and does anyone seek to blame the police asked adult services in that situation no one's listening even if there were does that did that make the papers no of course it didn't we were invited to go on tv and talk about it was there a widespread national debate about it no in learning disability services we have this scheme called leader which is um a review panel so anyone that dies who has a learning disability has to have their death registered and then investigated to Mm -hmm. see if there were missed opportunities um it's some some research that's going on the amount of leader reports that come out where someone with a learning disability had an avoidable death because of inequalities across the system whether that's health social care housing education they their deaths were preventable but because they had a learning disability they did not receive the right services that they should have and that's we get reports about that continuously because every death is reported to them and again how often does that make in the national press and entering mainstream debate never and I'm sure there's many social workers listening that, that have never even heard of leader unless you work in the field you wouldn't know I haven't no. you're talking to a social worker right now who's never heard of that uh, exactly um it's I don't think we've ever run a story like that in the magazine we've never discussed it because it doesn't enter it doesn't no, it enter doesn't. the sphere of reportable news which is a tragedy it is yeah the only times that the adults deaths normally come into the meeting is either when there's a child involved or when there's some sort of organised crime and, and people get excited about someone that's been exploited and, mm. and there's some sort of criminal aspect, drug or human trafficking, sexual exploitation, something that's gripping. There's an angle. There's an angle, exactly. Who cares about the, the, the older person that's just had a fall and died and no one's seen them because they've got no friends or family. And if not... For Bronson, I can't imagine Kenneth would have been even considered. No. And we know why. That isn't to, that. That's not to trivialise the situation. It's just to set it into context. Of course, it is. It is right that we should question why more hadn't been done for Bronson. Mm-hmm. It is right to have this debate. It is right to question it. But there are many times we do have these conversations that we can point out and say, "Yeah, look, there were failures." Peter Connolly, Baby P, perfect example. Multiple injuries, covered up with chocolate, missed by children's services potentially um, because chocolate wasn't wiped off his face to check, missed by doctors certainly. In this situation, I just think it's a tragic accident. I do, it's it's awful and certainly Mm -hmm. my thoughts are with Bronson and Indy's father and my prayers are with them and the family that remain grieving for them. For the rest of their lives, they'll carry that with them. Of course they will, but... I really, I really cannot see missed opportunities as far as I know here. No. I really can't. No, me neither. Well, listeners, it's been a heavy one today. Um, 
sometimes that's just the way it goes on social work radio we do have to discuss these things but thank you for tuning in thank you for all the attention and support you've given our coverage of this over the last week we hope we've done you justice on mysocialworknews.com and we hope that this story that we've covered today on social work radio has gone some way towards attempting to scratch the surface of this deeply deeply tragic story and hopefully offer some points of discussion and we hope we've done that as best we can once again our thoughts and prayers with bronson kenneth and the family and professionals affected by this we'll be back next week until then it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me